Well, good evening, and uh, it's good to be back with you for our Bible study. And as you know, we're going through the book of Hebrews, and we're going to have a look at this passage in Hebrews chapter 13, starting to read at verse 9. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which... Those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of the animals into the most high place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For there we do not have an enduring city, But we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others for such sacrifices God is pleased. Let's just pray before we look at this passage together. Father, we thank you again for the fact that you are here in our midst and you are with us as we look at your word. We pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will teach us the things that you would have us learn and that you will help us to apply them to our daily lives as we go forward in your name. And in the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9 through to 16, and I've titled it The Evidence of Faith as shown in our church. Last week, we looked at the evidence of faith shown in our lives and we saw the importance of doctrine and duty being the link between what we believe and how we live. Now, we will see doctrine and duty being the link between what we learn and how we live. Earlier in chapter 5 of Hebrews, the writer points out the importance of spiritual maturity. Let's just read that. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 through to 14. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now as we come towards the end of this letter, the readers should now be ready to explore understand and apply the things that they have been reading as they consider them again, the things that they have already heard from those who introduced them to the gospel. And now we come to chapter 13. We see the practicalities of being able to distinguish good from evil so that they will be able to identify and deal with strange teachings. So it's how to live as a Christian. So Hebrews 13 verse 9, let me just read that verse. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. 
It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. The first readers of this letter are in danger of being led back into what in the light of the death of Jesus would now be legalism. It is his shed blood that covers their sins. Judaism and the observances of Judaism are no longer of any value. This letter to the Hebrews was probably written before the destruction of the temple, which happened in AD 70. So in their day, temple worship was still going on, even though the curtain of petition had been torn down by the hand of God. We see similar advice against heresy being given to the churches in the rest of the New Testament. This is because the biggest danger to the church has and always will be false teaching. Let's just remind ourselves of that verse 9 of chapter 13. Uh, Just this part of it, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. And then he goes on, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do. I want us just to... um, Have a look here at what Paul says in some of his letters. As I said, the advice that Paul is going to give is similar to what the writer to the Hebrews is saying. And as I said, the biggest danger to the church has and always will be the danger of false teaching. So Colossians 2 verse 16 uh, to 17. Therefore, Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So now that the reality is here, the things that were only reflections of that reality are now of no further use. Paul speaks in Romans 8, verse 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. So, The life is in the blood of the once and for all perfect sacrifice, the one who is Jesus Christ. Listen to Paul as he speaks to the church at Ephesus. And he's going to tell them where their help will come from as they deal with these false teachers that are amongst them. This is Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 14. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Now, as you've listened to those verses, you'll see that the aim is that all may be built up to maturity within the church. It's not something that's kept exclusively for the elders. This maturity is for all. It's the power to deal with these false teachers and the power to deal with them was given to us by Christ. Let's just look at the middle part of Hebrews 13 verse 9. And the little title here is Strengthened by Grace. So let me read verse 9 again, but we're going to concentrate on just the middle bit. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teaching. There's the middle bit. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Then the verse goes on. Not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. So, it's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Much of the attraction of the false teachers and false teaching is found to have a lot to do with what we might call intellectual pride. We see this demonstrates itself in what is known as Gnosticism. Now, don't worry about that. It's a big word. It's quite a big subject. But basically, it is a belief that the truth was available only to a special few who considered themselves more knowledgeable than Jesus. And this is false teaching. You see, God's focus is on our hearts being right in his sight. This reminds me of the verse in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, when Samuel went to find God's anointed, and of course it would turn out to be David. But this is what we read in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 16. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And you see, false teaching often appeals to the intellect, but God's grace always appeals to the heart. So, that bit from verse 9, it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. Let us again go and listen to Paul as he says uh, things to the churches he's writing to. And this time he's speaking about grace. And I just want us to bring out one or two points from this which will help us understand what's being said here in the book of Hebrews. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. That's the first thing. The second thing, I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on us. Now, here's the relevance of, of those uh, verses to, to our passage here in Hebrews, because the truth that we can bring from this is this. By grace, you have been saved. So, you grow in grace. And as you grow in grace, Christ's power will strengthen you. And then Ephesians 4 verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching 
and by the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. This is exactly what the writer to the Hebrews was saying to the Jewish Christians. And it is what God is saying to all believers and is saying to us this evening here. But let us move on in our passage in Hebrews to uh, verse 10 of chapter 13. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. Well, just pause for a moment because this raises a question. The writer is saying that we have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. What does he mean? We have an altar. We don't have altars in our churches. Does this mean that we will have to go and get one? Well, let's just have a look at, first of all, the altars in the temple. The brazen altar. Now, this was in the courtyard. It was the place for offering blood sacrifice. The animal would be killed. The blood would be sprinkled on the altar. And various parts of the animal would be burned on the altar. Notice that the animals were not killed on the altar. They were killed and then the blood and the animal parts were placed on the altar. The second altar we have is the golden altar. Now, the golden altar, that wasn't in the courtyard itself. That was actually in the holy place, the place where the priests could go. And they would go each day. And they would go in there to burn incense on the golden altar. And this would be in the act of prayer, as they would pray for themselves and pray for the people. The altar that the writer says that we as Christians have is not a material altar. It's not made of gold, it's not made of copper. It's our sanctuary, unlike the old covenant, is not on earth, but it's in heaven. And our altar that the writer is speaking about is in heaven. Now, for Christians, the cross is not the altar. But for us, Jesus is the altar. The only altar. It is by his shed blood and his intervention as mediator that we have access to the presence of God. And our altar, which is in heaven, unlike the altar in Jerusalem, our altar cannot be destroyed. Now, these Jewish Christians would have been very familiar with the different sacrifices and the offerings. The writer is confirming to them that under the new covenant, they have a superior altar to the altars in the old covenant. And now he's going to tell them that a superior sin offering has been made. And he will tell them of the significance of Jesus being killed outside the camp outside the city wall. This is bringing out the importance of being outside the camp. Their place of worship is now to be away from the restrictions of the Mosaic law. So here the reference to the sin offering. Hebrews 13, 11 verse uh, through to 14. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering. But the bodies are burned outside the camp. 
And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for a city that is to come. Notice the reference here to that city whose builder and maker, whose architect and maker is God. Notice also here that the uh, that the writer is singling out the the, the sin offering. He's also uh, referencing to the, the the day of atonement. Let's just read a few things about uh, the the offerings. Exodus twenty nine verse fourteen. But burn the bull's flesh and its hide and its intestines outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Notice, burnt outside the camp. Exodus twenty nine verse thirty six. Sacrifice a bull each day as a sin offering to make atonement, purifying the altar by making atonement for it and anointing it to consecrate it. Leviticus 6.30 But any sin offering whose blood is brought into the tent of meeting to make atonement for the holy place must not be eaten. It must be burned. In other words, there was no share of that offering given to the priests. All of it must be burned. Day of Atonement, Exodus thirty ten. Once a year, sh- uh, shall once a year Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. This annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering, for the generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord. Now we can look at these in more detail, but we know also that the scapegoat uh, is involved in this. Leviticus sixteen verse twenty six verse twenty eight. The man who releases the goat as a scapegoat must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterwards, he may come into the into the camp. The bull and the goat for the skin offer, uh, sin offering, whose blood was brought in to the most holy place to make atonement, must be taken outside the camp. Their hides, flesh and intestines are to be burned. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterwards, he may come back into the the camp. And we know that the scapegoat was released out into the wilderness, again outside of the camp. What I want us to do this morning is, I know there's a lot to consider here. I want us, as we consider these things, just to finish with a verse from, or a few verses from Galatians. It's actually Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So see the importance there. For the Jewish people who followed the law of Moses, outside the camp was a cursed place. The sin offering animal, once killed, would be taken and burned outside the camp. The scapegoat would be released outside the camp. And Jesus was crucified outside the camp outside the city wall. And we have that quote in uh, Galatians uh, passage, which comes from Isaiah. Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole, hung on a tree. 
Jesus is our high priest. Our altar and our sacrifice. This is what we need and this is what we have in him. Because Jesus is our high priest, our altar and our sacrifice. And he is superior to what they had in the Old Covenant. So we come to verse uh, 15 of um, this passage in Hebrews. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. This is how we are to live. No longer having to go to the temple, no longer having to bring animal sacrifices, no longer having to go through all these uh, rituals that was necessary at the time. Now, through Jesus, our offering, our sacrifice, is an offering and a sacrifice of praise. It is the fruit of our lips as we openly profess his name and as we continue to share with others and do good things. These are the sacrifices that please God. And it's all done through Christ. The evidence of faith should show in our lives. The evidence of our faith should show in our church as we live by what we believe and what we know to be true of who Jesus is. So, doctrine and duty go hand in hand. Next time, we're going to continue with the rest of this passage and we're going to look at um, the confidence we have in our leaders and that we submit to his authority and also the final greetings as we come to the end of this uh, book of Hebrews. Let's just close in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this passage. We thank you that we've we've gone through a, an awful lot of things which are very important. Well, our Father, just help us to maybe read through this passage again, maybe consider what we've had and to bring it before you and ask you to help us to understand it, that we might see the relevance and the significance of who you are, the superiority of who you are in every way. And our Father, we thank you that we can come into the presence of God. We can come before the throne of grace in the power of what has already been done through Christ. And our Father, we bring these things to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.